Welcome to the Ghost Hacks Podcast. What you are about to hear may make you laugh. It may make you cry. It may make you shake in your boots. Two prison gods talking about strange things in the night they may never understand. And here are your hosts, Todd and Joe. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Ghost Hacks Podcast, episode 17. I am Ghost Joe. I'm Tom. And what's going on, everybody? I know you've, uh, you haven't heard the both of us together in quite some time, so here we are. Later on, you know, we're just going to do a quick like intro and talk a little bit, and then we have a, an interview with uh, John Johnson, who's the founder of the West Virginia Paranormal Investigation Group. So that was pretty cool. So I actually have a couple things I wanted to talk about. We also have a voicemail that we could play as well, unless you want to wait till the next uh, episode for that one. No, no, I I definitely want to hear this this voicemail. I think I know who called. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, so the one thing I want to talk about is the UFO sightings. Now, let me tell you, Tom, there's been a lot of talk in the UFO community lately. I feel like they're gearing up and we've said this before, but it seems like it's going more and more now where I believe they're gearing up to tell us something very, very important as far as aliens and UFOs are going. There's been a lot of media coverage on UFO sightings. And back in the past, whenever they used to have UFO sightings on the news, they would kind of make fun of it and be like, ah, it was probably this. It was probably that. And they're not really doing that anymore. They're, whenever they're showing it on the news now, they're, they don't know what to say anymore. Right. right. It's pretty incredible. I think that they really are gearing up towards telling us something important as far as that. With that being said, there is an article that I have here that UFO sightings have soared. In 2020, there was a huge influx of UFO sightings, whereas... The National UFO Reporting Center, yes, that's there is a thing called that. There were 289 sightings statewide in just New York in 2020, whereas the previous year there was only 189. So it was up by 100 just in New York State alone. Right. Now, you could attribute that to people maybe being home more and... I guess looking up at the stars, being outside a little bit more because of the whole pandemic thing. But I think that says something. I think that definitely says that I don't know what it's saying, really, but it's definitely something interesting to ponder. What do you think about all that, about the UFO settings? Now, for me, for me personally, I've never seen one before. I think it would be pretty, uh, pretty crazy if I, I would love to see one. Not really that close, but it would be cool to see one. I don't think... With this new administration, I don't think they're going to be dropping anything mind-numbing, earth-shattering. I, I just don't think it. I mean, they, they have now they have a duty to report with the, uh, the bill that was introduced when they sent out the stimulus checks that they have to report. What was it? They have to report what they know about UFOs. And I think it's just going to be like the dump they had before, the info dump they had before, just a whole bunch of blacked out stuff. I, I don't believe this. This president is on Zoom 
meetings with other foreign nations and he's wearing a mask. So I, <laughs> I don't, I really don't see him confirming UFOs. I think at some point he's going to have to. I think that he's not going to be able to, to not eventually. Apparently, because we're, I'm never that informed, but in June, I believe it is, there's supposed to be some kind of meeting between some very important government officials uh, about UFO, the UFO dealings and stuff. So, and there's supposedly some stuff that they're going to be divulging. So hopefully, hopefully they give us something good. If anybody out there knows anything about this meeting and, and wants to tell us a little bit about it, if you want to call us and let us know or send us an email, our phone number is 845-379-1331. And you could give us a call, leave us a message, tell us your experiences as well. Or you could email me at joeghosthexpodcast at gmail.com. So, yeah, man. Like I said, I'm I'm actually very excited, though, through it. I mean... I hope that something does come out and I hope that something does that something is divulged soon because I think it would be a pretty amazing discovery. It would be a pretty amazing thing. Well, it would definitely be amazing. I just don't trust the government. Right. Right. So let's see. So this, this voicemail that we have right now is from a Marine that had seen some, some crazy stuff overseas in some barracks and stuff. So, and where he had said that he had seen it is a very notably haunted area as well. Do you know anything about this area, Tom? Uh, what's the area? The one that's uh, your buddy. The one that your buddy uh, said. It's uh, what? Okinawa, right? Okinawa. Yeah. Yeah. So this voicemail was from a Marine that was stationed in Okinawa, a very supposed, a very haunted hotspot. And what he had experiences pretty amazing so i can't wait for you guys to hear this and uh without further ado hey guys i'm gonna be anonymous here but big fan of the podcast i'm not really a believer but i do find it uh very entertaining and informative but i just want to tell you of a interesting situation back in 2000 i was enlisted in the marine corps i was just got stationed over in okinawa to camp hansen for a little while and the barracks we had there, they're about four stories high. Well, they are four stories high, about 25, 30 rooms long. You got rooms on the front, the back side. Two of these big-ass barracks, you probably fit a whole battalion of Marines, which they would do for us. But the interesting story is, so I turned 21. It's May of 2000. So my buddy and I, my roommate, we go out drinking and in the E-Club, and we come back. And we come into the room, and all the furniture, the beds, the secretaries, the desk, everything, the wall lockers are all stacked in the middle of the room for, all the way up to the ceiling. So we're like, okay, that's crazy. But what was even crazier was the room was ice cold. And then on the windows, it was like ice, like your windshield in your truck would have in the morning, like in the wintertime. And just could not explain it. I'm not really a believer, but like couldn't explain it. And then when I was asking around other Marines that were actually stationed in, in at Camp Hanson, they were like, oh, yeah, those barracks are haunted due to the fact that Marines that got drafted for Vietnam, that would be one of their last staging areas before they got shipped over to Vietnam, and some of them would uh, kill themselves or commit suicide. So some people believe those rooms are haunted, and uh, it's just an interesting story that happened to me 
that one night. So keep up the good work of the podcast, guys, and I'll keep listening. Later. Thank you, Anonymous. <laughs> yeah, he really doesn't believe. I know exactly who it is. He really doesn't believe. It, but it's one of those, he's like, yeah, yeah, everything you talk about in that podcast is bullshit. Except this one time this thing happened to me. I was like, yo, you got to call. <laughs> That's amazing, though. I mean, it's like you can say, oh, well, maybe some of these guys were because Army guys and Marine guys, I'm sure they like to play tricks and stuff on each other. But at the same time, the whole thing with the frost on the windows and how cold it was in there, that that they can't do. Yeah. So that's that's quite amazing, I think. That and frightening at the same time. But it has Camp Hansen was named after Congressional Medal of Honor winner recipient, I should say. You don't really win that. Dale Hansen, who fought on Okinawa in World War Two and his actions on Hill Sixty in Okinawa. A lot of ums, a lot of you knows today. <laughs> yeah, that's that's you. My job. My job. His actions on Hill 60 got him the Congressional Medal of Honor. However, three days after the battle where he was nominated for the medal, he was killed by a sniper. So he never knew that he was awarded uh, the Medal of Honor. Uh, that sucks. Yeah. So, yeah, man. So that was our little voicemail. We have a great interview coming up with John Johnson. Very nice guy, very nice guy. And he had some cool information to share about uh, the West Virginia paranormal investigations and just ghost uh, investigations in general. We actually never had a paranormal investigator on the show. So I thought that was pretty cool to have somebody on there. Yeah. One of the famous haunted ghost stories at Camp Hansen is they have one gate that always remains closed. Mm -hmm. And there's no Japanese guards standing watch at the barrier. I guess they have Japanese guards outside the base. Mm. It said that every night at a certain hour, a man approaches the gate, asks the guard for a light, and then he disappears. Wow. I think I've heard that before. Yeah, I think yeah. I think I've actually heard that before. Yeah, and that that is that's actually from Camp Hansen. Wow. That's crazy though when he said there were a lot of Vietnam era servicemen suicides. That's that's just like, you know, if you're gonna kill yourself, wouldn't you rather like throw the dice and fucking go over to Vietnam? Mm. I don't know. Maybe that's maybe there was something else behind it. Maybe their family's got something else or something. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a crazy story right there. <laughs> Especially like like you said, everything was stacked up in the middle of the room. That's that's very that's very poltergeist-ish. Yeah. Remember the movie Poltergeist? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's another story. When the Marines landed on Okinawa, a lot of the civilian population committed suicide because they were they believed the propaganda that the, the Marines were devil dogs and whatnot. So they committed suicide by jumping off the cliffs in Okinawa. Hmm. And a lot of tourists that go to Okinawa say they can see, which could only be a residual haunting, they'll see blurry flashes of what seems like people jumping off cliffs. Wow. Now there's a couple of photographs online of that, of the blurry images and whatnot, right. but they kind of seem doctored. I mean, a lot of people have the same experience, the same story, right? 
but the photographs that I've seen are obviously Photoshop. <laughs> They're obviously fake. I mean, I'm sorry. I, I zoned out after you said devil dog. <laughs> but for those of you that don't know, I've been losing a lot of weight lately. I've been doing this 24 hour, well, not 24 hour, this one meal a day fasting. And it's very, very difficult. <laughs> very, it, it works, but it's very, very difficult. So once I get down another like 20, 30 pounds, I'm going to do something a little different. But yeah, so it's, it's pretty crazy. Uh, devil dogs ain't the same though. No, no. since, uh, well, Drake's went under and then they got bought out. Yeah. My favorite are the ring dings, man. Like, but like the old school ring dings, the ones that used to be in the, in the tinfoil. Right. Yeah. Oil. Those are the best. Now I'm hungry. (laughs) So yeah, guys. So that's, that's about it for us today. Hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you enjoy the interview. Yeah. Stay tuned for the interview. If you have any paranormal experiences, 845-379-1331, just as our friend there, the Marine. You could do so anonymously if you choose. Oh, and check out www.ghosthexpodcast.com for all of your Ghost Hex podcast needs. (laughs) And remember, our merch store is 100% for charity. So any merch you, you buy, we don't see a dime of it. That's true. That's true. And if you do happen to buy some merch, take a picture of it and send it to us and we'll post it up. Oh, absolutely. Having a, absolutely. A social, like my friend April did, which was very cool of her. Thank you again, April. Oh, and by the way, the last episode that we did was heavily damaged by Zoom. I mean, we, we were recording that whole thing during a thunderstorm and Zoom just was not having it that day. So I just want to give a special thank you to our Fiverr editor, Alex. I'm going to put his information in the in the show notes. So just don't overuse him because we need him. Yeah, we, we definitely need him. So, uh, <laughs> thank you again, Alex. You're awesome. You do great work and you get it done very quickly. So appreciate it. And thank you. Thank you to all of our listeners and stuff for looking out and staying tuned. And we were getting a lot of people, man. I was getting a lot of people saying like, when are you guys going to have another show? When are you guys going to have another show? When life stops kicking us in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> So here we are, man. So we're back. So yeah. 17 is going on a close right now and enjoy the interview. I'm sure you'll like it a lot. It was fun to talk to John and that's about it, man. Stay tuned for the next episode. Have a good night, everybody. See ya. So with us today, we have Mr. John Johnson, who is a member of the West Virginia Paranormal Investigation Group. John has been a paranormal investigator for quite some time and has been part of this group for quite some time as well. So he came here to share some knowledge of the field and what his group has done and some cool stories along the way. So check it out. John Johnson on the Ghost Hacks Podcast, West Virginia Paranormal Investigation Group. Hey, John, how's it going, man? So the West Virginia Paranormal Investigation Group, are you a founding member? Did you start the group? Yeah, myself and my cousin Rich co-founded the group back in 2007. So we've been doing it almost, or I've been doing it almost 15 years from now, or 15 years from when we started. Like what got you interested in uh, starting a paranormal group? I had always grown up hearing stories about ghosts and hauntings. My mom grew up in a house that she swore was haunted. She would stories about being upstairs in bed 
and she'd hear steps walking around her and her mom would be downstairs yelling up for her to get in bed and she was under this terrified. So <laughs> hearing stories like that growing up always kind of planted the seed in my head. And then kind of as I got older, I started to do more research and learn a little bit more. And that's when I decided that I kind of wanted to, to go down this rabbit hole. Cool, cool. Do you strictly investigate ghosts or do you delve into like other areas of the paranormal? So far, I've only ever really done uh, ghosts, but I've been working with some people in the area in West Virginia that do a little bit more of the cryptid Bigfoot kind of deal. And we actually have a joint investigation coming up the next couple with this cemetery, basically out in the middle of nowhere, where there's been reports of spirits and ghosts, as well as Bigfoot sightings. So it'll be a cool kind of collaboration to kind of get my feet wet in that area as well. That's awesome. That's awesome. And how many, how many people are in your group? Right now we have three core members, myself, Vanessa, my girlfriend, and Scott, our video tech. Right. Okay. And like what, what roles, I know everybody's seen all the TV shows and everything, but like, what are the roles that you guys perform in the investigation group? We share a lot of responsibility. Everybody's pretty well-rounded. I'm kind of mostly in front of the camera person, but I do a lot of the filming for the web series. I do all of the editing. Scott, like I said, he's a lot of the equipment and video. Scott's a uh, CEO at a prison here in West Virginia as well. So you guys would probably have a lot in common. <laughs> and then uh, Vanessa will do a lot of like the client interviews and uh, kind of the case manager type of role and she'll help with evidence review and booking locations and just about anything we need. Is your focus just investigating haunted places or do you try to actually rid these places of ghosts and and stuff like that? Do you have, or is it just like strictly an investigation? We will mostly do just the investigation and try to document what is or isn't there. We do work with some people who have a little bit more experience with kind of like the saging and cleansing, but I've never been real well versed in that. So I don't have a lot of experience, but we do have some people that we would trust in that scenario. But for the most part, we're pretty much just kind of there to see what we can or can't document and uh, see and figure out what's going on. And what kind of tools do you guys use? EMF detectors, ghost boxes, dowsing rods. What do you guys like to use for your investigations? We have about everything you can think of. Do you have like the ghost box and all? Yeah, we have probably three or four different ghost boxes. We have a couple of our homemade kind of portals that we built. We have different just regular recorders, audio, video recorders. We have all the different REM pods, millimeters, FLIR thermal. We have the Connect SLS. We have anything you can think of. We have it or we've tried it. Can you tell us one of your favorite places that you've investigated so far? Yeah, we're very fortunate being here in West Virginia. We're kind of surrounded by some incredible locations. One of the first places I ever went, I kind of jumped into the deep end. The first major location I went was Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum in Weston, which is about an hour from us, which is one of the more well-known places in the country. And it's definitely lives up to the reputation from my experience. We also have the old West Virginia Penitentiary in Moundsville, which was where I filmed the Paranormal Challenge episode with Zach. So that building is awesome. The history there, it's kind of the stuff that happens. It's hard to believe that it stayed open for that long with some of the stories you hear about it. 
then we also have Sweet Spring Sanitarium, which is a newer location, really big location in Southern West Virginia that we're really big fans of. Cindy, who is that, is one of our good friends. So we're lucky enough to be able to go down there pretty regularly. So we're really blessed to, to have all those places in the area. Has there ever been a situation in any of these investigations where like, you were like, no, we have to call reinforcements. We, we have to get somebody else over here to help us out type thing or or you haven't really experienced anything that crazy? I mean, I've definitely experienced some crazy stuff. I've never been in a situation that I didn't think I was able to handle, but I don't do it as much anymore. But some of the previous groups I've worked with in the past, they kind of like to push the envelope a little bit. Like we used to go to the Sally House in Atchison, Kansas, which is a pretty well-known negative haunting. And we would do stuff like I would dress up like a priest and walk around and spray holy water to, to kind of what happened, which is a dumb idea. I don't ever suggest anybody do that, but that definitely stirred up some stuff. But yeah, I've, I've been in some crazy situations, but luckily nothing that I've ever feared for myself or anything. <laughs> Have you ever gotten some like real like foolproof evidence where you were like, wow, that's definitely something? Like what's, yeah, what's I mean, like the what's right now big thing that we're working on is our forgotten relics web series if you check out any of the episodes i suggest checking out the episode at the haunted hayman house that episode if you stick around to the very end we capture a scream that is to this day the most unexplainable thing we had seven six or seven cameras running we captured it on every single one we try to debunk everything. We check the grounds to make sure there was nobody there. It couldn't have been anybody outside. And it is like the most blood curdling scream that you ever heard. And we all heard it with our own ears. We all captured it with all of our gear. To, to me, that's one of our most like, yeah, there's, there's definitely something there. And what's the name of the web series again? Because you kind of broke up stupid Zoom, you know, <laughs> say it one more time. Yeah, our web series is called Forgotten Relics. It's on our West Virginia Paranormal Investigations YouTube page. We've got four episodes out right now and three more that are filmed and being reviewed and edited right now. Ah, very cool. Very cool. So when you're leaving a supposed haunted location, do you guys do any kind of rituals or any kind of cleansing methods that you do, say prayers or or anything to that magnitude? So no negative energy or any energy for that matter follows you? Absolutely. Yeah. We always, everybody in the, the group is very faith-based in one way or another. We may not all have the exact same ideas, but we all definitely believe in, in something else, the, a higher power, whatever you want to call it. So especially if we're in a place where we've had some negative activity or something where it's been a little on the more intense side, we'll definitely take our time and say a prayer or just kind of ground ourselves before we leave the investigation and tell whatever we've been investigating or interacting with to kind of stay there. And for the most part, it works. We have had stuff follow us home in the past, but fortunately it's never been anything too bad. It's always just stuff that we'll hear footsteps in the house or we'll see something or hear something moving, but it's never been anything that's been bad. Now, have you ever, have you ever messed with the Ouija board? Yeah. I mean, I grew up in a very, religious family. I have two uncles who are pastors, my mom and grandma, everybody went to church every Sunday. So I grew up not only being told never to use it, but I grew up with basically a fear of it just from everything that I had been told. 
until I got into the field and had spent a few years, even the first probably five to seven years I was in the field, you couldn't have paid me to, to touch one until I kind of did my own research and talked to people. And then at that point, I just, I kind of came to the conclusion that it was just like any other tool, as long as you took the proper precautions and you knew what you were dealing with and you didn't go in blindly, it's something that can be used. Now, I, I don't use it all the time. And I'll only use it with people that I absolutely trust just because it's so easy to, to manipulate. But yeah, we'll use it from time to time. So when you tell people that you're a paranormal investigator, do you ever get those people that are skeptics that are like, ah, you're crazy. There's no such thing as ghosts. What's your response or reaction to those types of people? Yeah, I mean, you definitely run into that, especially if you've been in the field for any amount of time. You're definitely going to run into those types of people, which... I don't mind because anytime that you're interacting with them, they may give you an idea on how to better improve your own techniques or better explore things. So I'm definitely open to talking to those type of people. And basically, I just kind of will have a back and forth conversation and share my ideas. It's not always something where you're going to be able to convince somebody, even if you show them your best piece of evidence or even if you take them out in the field and they have something happen. Sometimes that's not going to be enough to change their mind. So you definitely can't go in with the mindset of convincing every single person, but you just have to kind of allocate your own ideas and hope that they are open just like you are. The way I usually do it is I'll tell a disclaimer. Nowadays, I say a disclaimer before I start telling my stories. I'll say, listen, I really don't care if you believe me or not. Just so you know, I'm not going to try and convince you that what I saw is what I saw because I know what I saw and I know what I experienced. So I'm not going to try and convince you. If you believe me, great. If you don't, great. I don't care. But I'll tell you some of my stories. And that's usually my disclaimer before I start any of my experience stories. Yeah, I don't blame you one bit there. Yeah, that's that's a great way to go about it. Because like I said, even if you provide everything, not everybody's going to believe you. And that's okay. What you experience and that's all that really matters in the end. It's hard for people that have never experienced it. It's hard for them to to grasp the concept sometimes. And I, I just kind of got tired of trying to trying to convince people that, like you said, aren't going to be convinced regardless. But what kind of advice would you give to someone who thinks that their house is haunted? What would you tell them to do? We get contacted quite a bit through the Facebook page, through Instagram, through some of our social medias about people who are having experiences. And what we always tell them to do is basically stand up and vocalize to whatever may or may not be there, that they acknowledge the fact that they're there, that they know that something's going on. They would prefer that they don't interact if that's what they want, or they prefer that they leave if that's what they want. And for the most part, that usually works. I mean, occasionally there's going to be something that's not going to want to go away or not going to leave them alone. In that case, we usually, if it's bad enough, we'll tell them to reach out to a pastor, a priest, clergy, somebody they trust to come in and do like a blessing. I mean, we don't do the residential investigations anymore just for liability reasons. So there are a lot of teams who still do that. And and it can be helpful if you go in with the debunking mindset to try to show what isn't happening. But if you go into the person's home trying to prove what is actually going on, of course, you're going to find exactly what they want to hear. So, I mean, that can be helpful, but in our experience, just having the person stand up and tell whatever's there to leave them alone is usually the best course of action. So being the West Virginia Paranormal Investigation Group, 
what areas do you cover? We, we're not afraid to travel. Yeah, we uh, right now we're doing West Virginia, obviously, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Kentucky, Virginia, North Carolina, up into New York, basically anywhere within a six to eight hour drive of, of West Virginia. We're, we're open to hitting the road and finding some cool places. Awesome. Awesome. What do you guys have coming up? You have any cool investigations or any other uh, kind of uh, ventures going on? Absolutely. Yeah. We're, we're still hitting the, the road hard for forgotten relics. Like I said, we have three episodes that we filmed and they're getting reviewed and edited. And then we have an investigation scheduled in May at a place called the old hospital on college Hill here in West Virginia. It was featured on destination fear season. It's a brand new place. It's only been open to a couple teams. So we're really excited about getting into there and seeing what we can catch. I think it'll be really exciting. Awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah. And we're going to link all your stuff in the show notes as well. So anybody could find you. Yeah. And actually, believe it or not, man, this will be our 17th episode and you are the first paranormal investigator that we have interviewed. So that's pretty cool. And we appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your knowledge and your stories with us. Oh, that's awesome, man. I appreciate you guys. I'm glad that we got everything worked out and I'm glad that you guys were open to having me on and uh, I appreciate all your time. Awesome, man. Well, thanks again for the interview and I'll talk to you soon, bro. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Ghost Hacks Podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and find us on Facebook groups. If you have any paranormal experiences you would like to share, please email joeghosthackspodcast at gmail.com and we may even read your submission on the air. Have a good night and don't forget to change your shorts. <laughs>